It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me today is a 2007 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. He's a four-time WNBA champion, an Olympic gold medalist, a two-time USA Basketball National Coach of the Year, a three-time SEC Coach of the Year, a three-time WNBA All-Star Coach, and he is the leader of one of the most unsung dynasties in American sports history with the Houston Comets. He is, of course, Coach Van Chancellor. Coach Chancellor, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I'm, I'm just honored to be with you today, Cal. It's, it's great. Thank you very much. Well, I want to start because, Coach, every coach's journey is, is so unique. Some people arrive on the bench after playing. Others grow up in a family of coaches, some just by happenstance. What is your earliest recollection of wanting to be a basketball coach? I was 16 years old in high school, and I couldn't decide, which was ironic, whether I wanted to be a preacher or a coach. <laughs> and one of my church members told me you could reach a whole lot more young people as a coach. And when I was 16, I just wanted to be a coach. I wanted to make a difference in kids' lives. And never dreaming from a cotton field in Mississippi that you could go to where you are, the Olympic coach. That's the only thing in America. Gosh, and from an academic standpoint, your work was always in education. Um, I'm wondering, thinking about the answer that you just gave, how pivotal that dedication to academics also came from that moment when you were 16 of someone saying that you can reach an awful lot more young people through academics and through the classroom. Uh, did, did that help you as well? Uh, there's no question about it. When I was a high-speed coach, one of the things that we did not, I, I never did tolerate as a college coach or as a high school coach for that matter, if you perform in the, in the classroom, you wouldn't go be a member of our basketball program because I thought if, if you wouldn't excel in the classroom, how could you excel on the basketball court? That's so fascinating. And, and now, after some years at the high school level, you were obviously tapped to coach the University of Mississippi in 1978. And, and the fit was obvious. 19 years, 439 wins, four Elite Eights. But 1978 to 1997 was a million years in the development of the women's game. Can you talk about the way that the game changed over those two decades and, and how your coaching adapted? Right off the bat, everything changed. We used to go in vans. You used to have two and three vans. Now they're chartering everywhere. We used to eat at McDonald's. Now teams are eating everywhere. We used to have to spray to get uniforms to get a budget today. The budgets for the Southeast and Conference women's basketball teams is unbelievable. And when I started, the athletes in coaching could not do the things that athletes can do today. You didn't have a Candace Parker who can play point guard at six foot three, six foot four, uh, Sidney Files at six foot seven to play for me at LSU to just do some things that guards used to do. And the game just changed so much, especially with the abilities of the players to be able to do so much. In 1978, no woman had ever dunked a basketball. I don't think no woman had ever thought about dunking a basketball. Was there a moment in time? Was it was it sort of that, was it gradual, or did it feel like the acceleration just kept moving? No, it was a gradual process. It, was, it looked like, it, 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 when I experienced it, I thought it was taking a thousand years for it <laughs> to come as far as it did. In reality, it only was only, you know, kind of 15 years. 
uh, it was just a slow thing for, for us to be accepted in 1978. Then a lot of people accept our sport. And, and then we were led by Pat Summit. She did so much for women's basketball. I can't tell you just how much Pat has done for the sport, not just for herself, but for all of women's basketball. If it wasn't for Pat Summit, there wouldn't be what women's basketball is today. And so, therefore, when you see how far it's come, we got a pro league. I mean, it's a, it's a great thing, and I'm just so glad I was a part of it. And such a major part of it, because, of course, the WNBA for you, when you left uh, Mississippi to join the Houston Comets, I'm wondering, were there nights before you accepted the job that Ole Miss was such an, an just an incredible experience, and you were such an integral part of the growth of the game at the NCAA level. Was there any reservation uh, to leave for, at, at, at that point, a uh, then-unsung WNBA? Let me tell you, I called my daddy, who was alive at that time, and I told him I thought I was going to be. I was going into the uh, WNBA. He said, son, if you take that job, you're going to be the, blank, the biggest blank fool there is in the state of Mississippi. You will be an idiot. That league ain't going to make Don't take it. So that's how I left the grandchild. I left four of the best friends I ever had because I wanted to be a part of something new and exciting and when I joined the WNBA, it was a great moment. That league was everything I ever wanted it to be. Gosh, I love hearing that because obviously, twenty-one years later, we know that it is one of the one one of the most important cornerstones in American sports. But those comments. And, 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 and you found immediate success. Those four consecutive titles, I, I contend that it's the most unsung dynasty in modern North American sports history. Can, can, can you reflect on the atmosphere around those teams in the locker rooms as, as all of you were laying the foundation for the future generation of women's professionals? When I, when I first got to the team, uh, I had the job two days, and Cynthia Cooper walked up behind me, put her arm around me, and she said, I don't guess pro coaches are huggers, are they? Huggers now, that's the word, put your arm. I said, Cooper, what I do best is hug and love my players. And from that moment, it's like going to Disney World. It's a magical moment. I mean, we just started out, and I, within an hour, I said, good Lord, Cynthia Cooper is the real deal. And then we drafted Tina Thompson, and Cheryl had her baby come back. And I had the three best players in the league, and I said to myself, I'm going to be a heck of a coach in this WNBA. <laughs> of course, the Comets weren't your final stop. I love that about the Van Chancellor story, is that then there is sort of a, a return home in a way, right? A return to the SEC, a return to LSU. Um, can you give me a sense of the way that you approached those years, having accomplished so much already? Well, I just, I just always wanted to coach. I wasn't thinking about what I was what we were accomplishing, our whole team, the program, I just wanted to help and be around young people. When I went to LSU, I was 63 years young. I got the job, and they said, how can you relate to young people? I said, all they want to know is get me the ball where I can score, and that's relating to young people. They knew I was going to love them, and I was going to try to help them be the best they could be. They were going to graduate. That's all I was interested in. That's remarkable. I, I it's It's incredible because of... Every stop along the way, there is that just dedication to helping helping people be the better version of themselves. Was that something that you had articulated articulated to yourself early on, or is that just sort of happen organically? 
I just always wanted to be the best I could. When I cut the grass, I tried to cut it right. When I worked for my dad on the farm, I tried to do a job. I was always studying and trying to be the best coach I could be, be the best father I could be, the best husband I could be, and the best coach I could be. I wanted to be a family man first. I wanted to have faith in, in my in my and in, in faith in life, and then I wanted to be the best coach I could be. Well, finally, Coach, what is it like for you to be working with the Basketball Hall of Fame at this stage in your life? Well, let me tell you now, the biggest shock I had. You know, somebody asked me, did you ever dream of being in the Naismith Naismith Hall of Fame? Let's get that straight right now. Did I ever dream? And I said, hey, no, that wasn't one of my goals. I didn't think that was going to be realistic. When I go back to the Naismith Hall of Fame in September, and I'm around all the greats, I teach myself, and I look in the mirror and I say, man, Jennifer, is this really happening to you, or is this a dream, and you're going to wake up one day, and it's going to be a a, a great dream? But... (laughs) This has been a wonderful experience for me that I'll always love and cherish. And I go back every year. I don't think, I don't think I've ever missed but one. And uh, it's just a great honor for me. Well, the game is better because Van Chancellor is a part of it. He's a 2007 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee, a four-time WNBA champion, a three-time SEC Coach of the Year, an Olympic gold medalist, an Olympic Coach of the Year, and an, a WNBA All-Star Coach. I could go, We could have just recited your resume for the past 15 minutes, but instead, I'm very thrilled that you were able to join me. Thank you so much, Coach. It's been a pleasure. Uh- Oh, it's always a pleasure, and thank you. Have a great day. I'm with my grandchildren right now, so I'm going to have a great day.